All right, so unfortunately the Yankees season, uh, postseason-wise, mathematically came to an end on Wednesday with the home loss, the afternoon loss to the Orioles at game 158 of the season. So uh, now four games left in the year for them to play out the string. The same situation that we were faced with last year, uh, game 158 was also when they were eliminated. Uh, and now there's only four games left in the season. There's only one game, home game left. Um, this season and one home game left in the career of Derek Jeter, which could also possibly be his last home game. And uh, it, it might not only be his last home game, there's another person as well, and, and that person joins me today, uh, Bald Vinny, uh, Vinny Milano from the right field Bleacher Creatures Section 203, joins me today to talk some Yankees baseball as the season winds down. Vin, how's it going today? Oh, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. No problem. Now, I know, um, you know, before we get into the Jeter stuff, it's it's an end of an error for uh, – you know, all Yankees fans, um, you know, you got to watch him uh, as an adult, uh, you know, grow up. Uh, I, I got the chance to grow up with him from fourth grade on to now. And he, uh, for 20 years, pretty much been a staple of this team, of this uh, organization, the face of the franchise. A guy you just, you knew every day you go to the ballpark, he'd be in the lineup uh, in some capacity. And that won't be the case anymore. And, you know, now from talking with you recently, that's not going to be the case for you either. And, and, and the Bleacher Creatures uh, are losing the voice of roll call. Well, I mean, everything is, you know, cyclical and everybody has a generational thing. And, you know, the the, the group in the bleachers kind of, our generation kind of went o- along with the Yankee generation. You know, our heyday, um, you know, coincided with, with the glory years back at the old stadium. Uh, I know we took some tradition over to the new ballpark and try to keep it going for as long as we can. But, you know, like some of the guys on the field, a lot of us are getting a little older. Um, and, and it's quite, not quite what it used to be. And, in a whole bunch of different ways, you know. Uh, so for me, it, it personally, it's a little bit like it's time to move on. And this is actually shouldn't be anything new to any of my my Yankee fan friends uh, or followers. I mean, this is something that's been going on for like three years. So I've been been trying to get out for a while. <laughs> I just now now I actually have the means to do so. Well, I know there was that piece uh, a few weeks ago on Deadspin that spoke about the you know the Yankee bleachers uh, back in the old stadium and and sort of you know you mentioned the bleachers that you grew up with and how it's changed drastically to the point now where you know you can't even get down into two hundred three without someone checking your ticket twenty five times. But you know as as the years have gone on and the things have changed, I mean they've changed a lot even from the first year in the stadium to what they are now in, in six seasons and and what's allowed and what's not allowed. And I know for you guys, you know guys who grew up with with that era and who were uh you know just out of college and, and whatnot when uh you know the ble- the bleacher creature popularity began to roll and the yankees uh dynasty started to get created i mean for you to see what it's become now must must be sad as a regular for all these years well i mean in one in one hand sure it's certainly sad because we used to have great times at the old stadium we pretty much got away with murder uh, you know we were our own little entity we were blocked off from the old from the rest of the stadium um you know we were kind of controlled chaos out there um but on the same same hand i can tell you how much i'm proud of what what we accomplished um out in the bleachers you know the fact that we have fans that want to come hang out with us um that want to come in for roll call the reason that there's security there is to keep all the people out uh, <laughs> you know the people people buy an, an upper deck ticket and they want to come hang out in the bleachers because you know you get you do get a better view and it is a much better time and they want to experience the roll call so um, you know, 203 is a little bit tougher to get into than, than some of the other sections out there, um, but it's just an testament to, to our, our popularity. And like I said, I, it's something I'm proud of because it's something I've worked pretty hard on, um, you know, for the last couple of years. So uh, I, I don't really mind. But given 
given the choice, I'll take the old stadium all day, every day. And I think that really the biggest thing um, that changed the atmosphere uh, with us in particular, um, you can have all the rules you want about what you can say, what you can't say. I mean, it, people know that you're not allowed to say the word sucks out in the bleachers. Um, we can still have fun without that. I think the biggest change and the biggest difference from the old stadium, uh, the old place used to walk up a tunnel uh, and fans came out in front of you and they walked yeah. up the stairs to their, to their seats. So even if the game was terrible, you still had the entertainment of people coming in and out and like, oh, look at that guy, look at that goofy shirt on that dude, you know, and you, know, you would make fun of the crowd um, you know, just as much as, you know, ball players or heckling or cheering or whatever, you know, we were our own entertainment, you know, all of our own guys would come in, uh, and you'd make fun of people for showing up late, you know, now guys sneak in in the fifth, sixth inning, I turn around because they're all coming in from behind me and I'm like, oh my God, when the hell did you guys show up, you know? <laughs> um, so it, it, that's really what the biggest change, um, you know, for our atmosphere in the bleachers was, because like I said, we can make a good time, you know, with anything, but, uh, uh, that that was probably the biggest change. Yeah, I think the uh, having the tunnel that that went up is definitely probably the, the the biggest change. Not only from the standpoint of you know being up there and seeing uh, fans with you know whether there's Red Sox gear, or Mets gear on come up and uh, or you know just like you said, goofy looking people that would get chance and, and things like that going. Uh, but also when you when you first arrived at the stadium and you you'd be like where the concession stands were, where the bathrooms were behind section 37, and you couldn't see the field, and it was sort of you know that majestic look as you walked up the tunnel gradually, and then you get that first shot of the outfield and uh you know i i started really sitting in the bleachers uh you know around high school when i was 16 and my friends and i when we could start driving ourselves to the game um and and that's when you guys you know that's when i you know i i started attaching on to sitting in the bleachers from then on out because you know of the the role you guys said and the way that everyone seemed to you know gravitate towards what was going on in the bleachers no matter where everyone else was in the stands where they always looked out there to see what was happening and whether it was a fight or a champ breaking out or something it was was always the place to be and, and you know you guys are responsible for that and um you know it has to you have to have a little pride and, and be a little proud of the fact that you know everyone in the stadium no matter where they're sitting always cared about what was going on in section 37 or now 203 yeah definitely back in the old stadium you touched on, on one of my favorite points that the only place to see the game uh was in your seat and that was a, a, a great feature of the old stadium you know that you, you, it kept people in their in the stands I uh, kept the the uh, intensity up, kept the noise level up. Now there's so many bars and restaurants and shops, and each one of them has 15 flat panel TVs, and you can watch the game. And the I mean, you go to the Hard Rock, and there's little TVs by the the sink, and you can watch the game. I mean, you watch the game while you're, while you're taking a leak. So I mean, it's completely different, um, you know. Whereas in the old stadium, being in the stands was the attraction. You know, whether we were having a good time, we were having a bad time, you know, the bleacher creatures get their roots um, back in the, the early to mid-80s when the Bronx wasn't really like the place you would, we would hang out too much, yeah. you know, and, and you, you kind of talk about some of the fights and stuff, um, that's really how some of our traditions were born, uh, you know, most people know the cowbell and the cowbell cry and the cowbell chant and, and whatnot, that really came about uh, you know, most people know the story of our founder, Ali Ramirez, the original Bleacher Creature. Um, he would bang that bell during fights to, to, to distract the crowd. You know, some, some scuffles were going on, you know, some cops were coming in busting, people smoking pot, you know, anything that was a distraction, he would ring the bell just to get everybody focused back on the field. You know, and now, you know, 25, 30 years later, that's one of our greatest traditions and it's something that, you know, we've carried over from the old stadium 
But, uh, you know, that's really where it gets its roots, you know, because there was so much going on in the bleachers. There was only so much craziness out there. Well, when you go on, anyone can go on YouTube now and watch, uh, you know, things from the past, whether it's uh, the gangbang or the YMCA and stuff like that. And obviously all those things are, are no longer allowed and uh, permitted in the new stadium. And uh, you'd get a quick exit if it happened now. But, you know, looking back on all those things that you can't do anymore, what's the one that stands out to you the most that you, that you miss over these years now in new sta- with the new stadium? Yeah, you know, everything now is all politically correct. And, you know, obviously some of those songs uh, were way over the line and definitely aren't made for public consumption, much less public consumption uh, where people are paying for admittance. Um, But I think probably the Gangbang song would be my favorite only because um, it was really funny. And we got, back back then we used to get Paul O'Neill and Bernie would always interact, um, you know, Paulie always went, Bernie never went. Um, that was just part of the gangbang song. Uh, and, and, you know, we used to have fun with it. And it, it was always a good time because it meant the Yankees were winning. Uh, we only did it in the eighth inning when the Yankees were winning. So um, that that's probably my, my greatest memory or, or what I missed the most uh, were the fun times, the celebratory times. You feel like you don't really get that a lot, especially the last couple of years um, because security is so tight and, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys uh, that I used to sit out there with, or that I kind of quote unquote grew up with in the bleachers, are kind of all moving on. And I, I'd be surprised if, if half the people that even sit out there even knew that we used to do some of that stuff. You know, uh, you get people who YouTube it and they're like, "Oh, this is what we're supposed to be." Like, nah, that kind of hasn't really happened out here in a few years. You know, um, so you know things kind of move on and change a little bit, but try to adapt the best you can, I guess. Well, some of the points you touched on were actually touched on by Jeter in the, that recent New York Magazine sort of tell-all, or at least tell as much as Jeter can piece, uh, where they interviewed and asked him about you know the new stadium to the old stadium, and he was saying how in the new stadium, obviously the upper deck hung over more with the you know the tier over the loge, and it was more over the field, so the fans were on top of you. But he also Definitely. mentioned what you mentioned in that the only place you could see the game was on your, at your seat. So now you have all these seats between the bases <laughs> that, are, that are empty. He said that. He said that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, like, I love that we have, we have similar, similar thoughts on the stadium. That's he, pretty he, cool. I, he, I think the actual quote was that he said the only place in the old stadium you could watch the game is from your seat. And, you know, the other night, from Friday night, I was walking around uh, towards the end of the game, and um, I got way back behind home plate, and you could see, like, the, the Legends bars or whatever they're called back there. And, there, you know, there's people yeah. hanging out, drinking during the game, and it, it it's almost like you didn't need to take the subway to the Bronx or drive your car and pay for parking to go to the bar to watch the game. It just it doesn't really make sense for me like, that that – you know, pay all these money, pay all this money for these tickets, and they're sitting in some bar um, inside watching the game on TV when it's fifty feet away from them. And you, you don't even get any of the atmosphere. You hear none of the noise. You don't even hear like the stadium organ. I was fortunate enough to get uh, some really nice seats when they had the Big Four concert, that big heavy metal concert, a couple of years ago. And uh, I was really there to see like two of the four bands. So in the middle, we went to eat down in Legends. And we're sitting down, we're enjoying the nice buffet, and I turn around and I said to my buddy, I said, you know, I think Slayer is on, because, uh, you know, the, the lights are changing outside. It looks like, you know, there's, there's a stage show going on. And he turns to me and he said, dude, we're 100 feet from the stage, and I can't even hear Slayer. <laughs> like, I can't even hear the, the heaviest of heavy metal bands playing. They're like shredding faces right now on the field, and I can't even he- I wouldn't even know if I didn't see the lights flicker. Like, that's how, like... You're so sectioned off, you might as well just go watch it at a bar in Midtown. Like, why even bother being there? You know? 
Um, that that's just I, I I get it. Um, I think what will be evident will be tomorrow night, uh, Thursday night. You'll see why all those places exist because when it's raining for six hours and the game's delayed and they don't start till nine thirty, nobody's gonna leave. Yeah. You know, at the old stadium, at the old stadium, you had nowhere to go. You stood in those hallways. And I don't know if you ever you ever sat in section thirty nine or thirty seven during the rain delay where that little grate down by the bottom got all clogged up. You had water up to your ankles. Yep. <laughs> because there's there's a couple of beer cans in there, uh, you know, or some newspaper stuff down there, and you were hot and it was humid and there was no air and there was nowhere to move and you were packed in but you didn't want to leave because you got to watch the game. Now yeah. tomorrow, when during those that same rain delay, people will be in Mohegan Sun, people will be up in <laughs> Audi, people will be in the Jim Beam Sports Bar. You can wander the Great Hall. You could be in one of any number of stores. And when the game finally does kick in and get underway, everybody will still be there. And I think that that's probably, uh, I guess, my theory of why it's kind of like that mall atmosphere. Yeah, and I remember uh, to that point, opening day 2008, when it was going to be Girardi's uh, first game as manager, and they were playing Toronto at home. And I was in college still in Boston, and I came down with my friend for the game, and it was a 1 o'clock start, obviously, opening day, and it was uh, there was a rain delay, and we were in 39, and we were in that tunnel for so long, and I remember it was delayed for like two hours, so finally we went to the bar, um, we went outside, and I, I forget if we went to stands or wherever, but, and then it stopped, it started to not rain anymore, so we had to buy new tickets, <laughs> and then we came back right. inside, and then they postponed the game to the next day, and I had to go back up to school so I couldn't even go to the game but you know when you would stand down there in 39 during rain delays I mean it, you might as well have just been on a subway car with the power out because it was that crowded oh definitely it was the worst I mean and like I said we were sectioned off from the old stadium from the from the rest of the stadium so you really had nowhere to go uh you know only the hardcore most hardcore fans back then had enough connections where they could walk that little path between you know the the yep. right field stand where, and like, the, the ambulance was yeah it was exactly the ambulance bay very few of us got to cut through there <laughs> you know when I was on the road trip show in 2005 I had to get special permission from the front office uh, to be able to sneak through there um, to get back and forth you know from my commitments with the Yes Network and be able to hang out with my my friends in the bleachers uh, you know stuff like that was back in the day, man. Those bring back a lot of memories, man. <laughs> well, now uh, with Jeter playing his uh, his final home game, and, uh, you know, there's a chance here what with, could happen with him, which happened with Mariano last year, where he plays at Yankee Stadium, and uh, I'm sure it'll take him out of the game at some point for an ovation, but there's a chance that he doesn't play at all at Fenway over the weekend, and this could be his last game here, and he sits out those final three games, and to me... I I feel like he should sit out those games. I know it's going against Derek Jeter and everything he stood for and, you know, play every day, play through injuries, play hurt, everything like that. But I feel like for him at this point, you know, to go up there and, and have his final game in front of those fans, uh, you know, it's, the game doesn't mean anything for either team. I just feel like it's just not the, not the way to go out. Even if even if it's what he stands for and everything like that, I feel like his last game should be a home game even with three games left. Well, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you. On that. <laughs> All right, and I'm going to do a couple of, a couple of things. Number one, I don't think they're going to take him out at the end of an, in the middle of an inning. Uh, I kind of look at that. That's kind of disrespectful. You know, the, everybody's talking about recreating the magical moment last year with Mariano. Uh, that that's impossible to recreate. That's never ever going to happen again. Um, those tears, that was that emotion, that was all raw and in the moment. You can't pre-plan that again this year. Uh, I don't think Brendan Ryan is going to come out and replace Jeter at shortstop. I kind of think that's a little disrespectful. 
I think Jeter's going to come out there um, for his last inning on defense, and it's going to get serenaded like Paulie did, except it's going to be ten times louder and ten times longer. Uh, I think the three games following in Boston, I, I read this the other day, um, you know, speaking about Yankee generations and icons and whatnot, uh, Mickey Mantle played his final home game at Yankee Stadium on September 25th. I saw that. It was a game. Thursday. He played his final game as a, as a Yankee on the 28th in Boston. Uh, so I think that lines up pretty nice. You know, we we like to, to tout the Yankee magic and the aura and the mystique and how things, you know, are, are kind of celestial in our world a little bit. I think that's one of those things that you look up to uh, and, and you kind of talk up and saying, you know, this kind of has to happen that way. You know, yeah, it's Boston and uh, there's been a great rivalry through the years and, you know, all his time up there maybe hasn't been, you know, the best, but I think it kind of has to end that way because he's a gamer and, you know, he's not going to sit out if he's not hurt. He wants to play. And uh, I, I think he's going to. And, and you know there's going to be a ton of Yankee fans up there you know, Boston's not in it. They're not, there's not going to be a, a lot of Sox there. I think you'll see a lot of Yankee fans making the trip up there uh, to send the captain off the right way. Well, see, now going back to the original thing, I, I think he should play the whole game on Thursday. Now, I'm fully with you on definitely, that. Definitely. I just think that I, when I said that he'll probably get taken out in the middle of the inning, I just feel like not only because you already did it last year, but I just feel like across baseball, whether it's all-star games or other situations where things like this happen, I feel like the manager always elects to take the guy out early to get that ovation. And Girardi has this sense of corniness to him where even though he did say, like, I'm, you know, you can't script it and whatever happens right. on Thursday happens, right. I feel like he's... I feel like he's going to try to mimic what he did last year because that's just the type of person that, to me, Joe Girardi seems to be like. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I do think he should play the whole game, and I think it should end, um, like you said, in well, similar fashion. I, I, think, I think the only way you could possibly top last year is if uh, in the ninth inning, not only, you know, the, this is probably what's going to happen. You know, Jeter will be the first guy to run out, and he'll be the only one to run out. You know, uh, but if you really want to make it happen, you got to put Bernie in center, you get Jorge <laughs> behind the plate, you get Mariano in to close. That's the way, that's the only way it would be more special than last year. Uh, like I said, I, I don't think that stuff can get scripted. Um, I don't think they're going to try to top it. I think the ninth inning is going to start. He's going to run out, be the first guy out by himself. Uh, people are going to start chanting his name and they're not going to stop until the game's over. Uh, I don't really foresee him taking like, a quote-unquote victory lap or anything like that. I'm sure he'll get a good couple of curtain calls. Uh, and I really hope he just soaks it in. You know, like, I, it, it's so funny. You, all the, these fans talk about, you know, paying their tribute, um, you know, what they mean to him. Uh, I hope he gets to enjoy it, you know, and, and kind of soak it in and feel the love. Because really, when you think about it, for especially people our age um, and our generation, he's probably one of the most bo- beloved athletes um, in New York, if not the whole country, uh, I, I hope he kind of you know takes that love in and really appreciates it because it's going to be gone after tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I know. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of yeah. weird to think about because um, I mean, growing up, when you just see when you expect every summer, every time you turn on a Yankees game, every time you're at a Yankees game, you just expect to see him in the lineup. And and even though tomorrow is the last day or Thursday is the last day, um, it it does doesn't have that feeling. Maybe it won't have that feeling until next season. No, I, I don't think it will. I think, you know, people move on and uh, new faces come in. And really, Yankee fans, all the all they should really think about is that after Sunday's game, uh, a 
officially on Monday after 162 is over, we get A-Rod back. So, you know, <laughs> one era ends and another era begins. So, you know, you always have something to look forward to. <laughs> well, uh, to that point about him playing in Boston, now, not only do I do I wish he that, you know, he would uh, play his last game at Yankee Stadium, and you make good points, and, you know, he is a gamer, and it probably should end uh, the way that, you know, so many, uh, the way that Yanks, Yankees-Red Sox rivalry has gone for so long. I guess if he can't end it here, the next best place would be there. But um, the only reason I mention is because uh, when asked about it, he kept saying, you know, oh, the weekend's so far away. The weekend, you know, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about Boston yet. And he never really said, like, you just expect him to say, yeah, I'm playing. I always play. He, he sort of alluded to the fact that it may be a possibility that he won't. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's, it's really up to him and how he feels. And, you know, I, I think when it happened last year with Mariano, um, that moment at the stadium was was just so emotional um, that I think he just didn't have anything left. You know, he was spent. That was it. That's all he needed. Um, you know, he got honored right before, whereas Jeter got honored like two weeks before. Uh, so I think that the Mariano thing, <clears throat> especially for him, you know, they're two different guys. You know, Mariano is, is very, very much um, like a sentimental kind of guy. You know, you, you see he wears his emotion on his sleeve. Derek is completely the opposite. Um, always poker face. You never know what's going on. Um, so, I, I, like I said, I, I think that's really what's going to separate the two. It's just based on the personality of the player. Um, the fans love them regardless. You know, the ovation is going to be electric. There's not going to be a dry eye in the house. Uh, I don't think Jeter is going to break his stoic nature at all, though, because that's that's just what I expect from him. You know, he he'll always be the icon. You know, he'll yeah. always just be Jeter. Well, with cool it, as hell, man. He's always cool as hell. <laughs> well, with him and you know everything that's that's gone into his career, and uh, not only that, but his name and, and Derek Jeter and the the syllables in it, you know. Perfect for the uh, the stadium rhythmic clap uh, audio they play or, or cheers yep. or roll call. Yep. And he's always been the one guy, you know, in roll call that before you could even get Derek Jeter going, he always is instantly turned and, you know, waving the glove to stop it before it starts. And I know we talked about this in the past and how uh, I think you said he had mentioned it to David Cohn once that, you know, he wasn't a real big fan of it. And he's been quick to, to you know, sort of uh, to end it even as this last homestand started. And I, I think he'll probably do the same thing again on Thursday. It just doesn't seem like. Um, he's going to let it linger uh, as a last chance to hear it. No, you know, it, it's funny because it really kind of harkens back to when Roll Call started, you know, back in 97. He's coming off a great 96 year, um, and he was already too cool for school. You know, you're you're a rookie, you're hot as hell, you're MVP, you're winning World Series, and the next year they're like, oh, these fans out there. Everybody Back then, everybody wanted Jeter, you know what I mean? He was the teenage heartthrob back in the day, you know what I mean? <laughs> But he was kind of always too cool for school, um, so we never really got like a ton of attention from him. But in a way, over the last twenty years or so, that's kind of become his hallmark. You know, that's that's his trademark just as much as the double arm flex is Gardner's trademark or the salute was Trish, was Swisher's trademark. So I don't think anything different is going to happen um, tomorrow. Uh, I would love to see him maybe turn around and give us a nice tip of the cap. You know, for real, for real. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I would be happy with, with the regular Jeter response. But well, you've been at the stadium now for uh, you know hundreds of uh, Jeter games, and uh, you know not necessarily roll call, but aside from that, in game moments. I mean, what's your most memorable moment that he took part in uh, at the stadium? 
Can I tell you, my, my most memorable Jeter moment, and I happen to mention this at the game last night, wasn't even uh, a game moment. Um, we the, the Yankees do this awesome, awesome event every year for season ticket holders called Photo Day, um, where they allow season ticket holders onto the outfield warning track, and uh, the team comes out in uniform, and they post their pictures, and they meet some fans and whatnot. And uh, two years ago, uh, when the Yankees were kind enough to send out a whole bunch of celebrity guests out to the bleachers, uh, we were visited by Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, that photo ran in the post, uh, like the day before photo day. And during photo day, everybody's walking around and years coming by, and, you know, we're standing there waiting them with all my creatures, and you know, we're, we're waiting for him to come over, and he looks at me and he goes, oh, Vinny, I saw you in the post the other day. You were looking pretty good there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go die, because Jeter not only knows me by name, but just addressed me without being prompted. You know, I thought it was, that, that to me is going to be the, the, the moment that I'm going to hang on to, like, where it, just, they really know what goes on. They know who's in the stands. They know the fans. Uh, that that for me was like my my validating moment. You know, I got I got a little Jeter love. It was nice. It, it's weird. Uh, you know, he just the way he talks to you, like you mentioned there, like you know, you guys are buddies and, and things like that. Yeah, and, yeah, like we've been hanging out for years. Yeah, you know? and oh, I was reading stories about interactions with him and uh, other players, and you know, players reminiscing and telling their stories about you know when they first met Jeter, when they first got called up, and um, I think it was either Jimmy Rollins or, or someone like that was saying how at the All Star game, you know, he just came up to a group of people like. And he was like, hey, guys, I'm Derek. Like, nice to meet you. Like, introducing himself as if, if other people didn't know like, who he no, was. I had no idea who he was. Yeah, and, and it's kind of weird that he sort of thinks of himself as a normal person when no one else in the world thinks of him right. like that. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, it's really funny, uh, you know, the way some of these guys are off the field. You know, you, it, it, they're so guarded. Um, you know, I, I had a great comparison a few years ago. I mentioned this uh, a couple of times where I always feel like, uh, like a guy like Mariano, he's kind of like a Yogi Berra. You know, he's like everybody's grandpa. He's emotional. He'll listen to you. He cares about what you have to say. He's generally invested, you know, in, in his in everything that goes on. And I feel like Derek is kind of like a Joe DiMaggio. He's super cool. He's always in the spotlight, and he has to be guarded and reserved because everybody wants a piece of him. You know, I, I feel like those personalities are very similar. Again, when you kind of go back and talk about Yankee Generations, you know, whatnot. It's a comparison I always like to make. Cause I feel like that's that's the air that Jeter gives off. You know, it's very guarded. And like I said, it started from the very beginning. You, know, you come up, you start winning, uh, you start getting awards and accolades, and you know, you're doing it in the, in the biggest city in the world. Uh, from the very beginning, everybody wants peace. So I, I can see why those walls got built up and uh, why he appears that way. But uh, on the very, very, very few interactions I've had with him, he's been a pretty down-to-earth, uh, very, very cool guy. Well, he looked down-to-earth in that uh, Gatorade commercial that came out, that spot where he gets out of his car and, and sort of walks down the street, is talking to all the fans. And um, I don't know if you were there that day or if your table was set up outside, but it looked like right about that time when you'd be outside that he was walking down the street. Well, you know, uh, keep in mind that, that television um, doesn't happen naturally. <laughs> you know, all that stuff is set up uh, and, and pre-produced. Um, those games, those those commercial, that commercial was filmed on two different days during the day. They shot from like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, all those people that were there were all actors slash extras. You know, that wasn't really like a real scene. He didn't really roll up on gate four, uh, you know, right before a game started. And there's like a thousand Yankee fans out there. You know, like all that was set up. Um, unfortunately, we just weren't invited to participate. 
yeah. you know, whoever whoever set it up with you know through the Gatorade organization or for whatever advertisers, uh, like all the stores were paid to be open. You know, Stan's was paid to open up early. Billy's was paid to open up early. Yankee Bar and Grill, uh, etc. Um, you know, they were paid to be opened by Gatorade. And, you know, like I said, nobody asked us to be there. <laughs> you wouldn't even have to pay me. I would have just done it. You know, I would have set up for nothing. Um, but you know, what it, it is, what it is. You know, they they had their you know uh, creative and what they want to accomplish. So uh, yeah. it, it was an awesome ad, man. It was awesome, and, yeah. and everybody talks about it, which is really what the point of, of advertising is. <laughs> well, I know you've had uh, you know several guys over the years stop by before games and players who who do wear stuff from uh, Bald Vinny's House to Tees. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Jeter doesn't seem like the type of guy that would be, uh, you know, on River Ave before a game or outside Billy's, but, you know, did, does he ever, have you ever heard word that he wears it or did he ever stop by or anything like that? No, I don't, you know, he's never stopped by. He, he's driven, um, you know, a lot of people know where I'm located, right outside of Billy's Sports Bar, right on 161st under the train tracks. So a lot of people come through that area. It's a very main viaduct, uh, especially if you're going up to Gate 8, which is where the player and the employee parking is. Um, so we see a fair amount of guys, and you know, Jeter did come through that area when he lived on the Upper West, uh, but now he's down in Greenwich Village. He doesn't really come come that way anymore, uh, so we don't really see him too much. But uh, a lot of guys do come by, and if I see anybody, uh, and I, I do make a shirt for them, they definitely get one. Like Teixeira, as soon as we came out with the Texacution shirt, he was one of the first dudes to get one. Uh, you know, same thing with Fisher, D. Rob. Um, those are the guys that, that we're, we're most friendly with because we see them on, on, a, on a daily basis, especially Saturday, Sunday mornings, because I'm there before anybody on a Saturday, Sunday morning. <laughs> Day games, forget it. <laughs> well, now that uh, now that the Jeter era is coming to an end and, and the Bald Vinny era is coming to an end, what happens with, with Bald Vinny House of Tees? And is it just baldvinny.com now to get them, or is, it, or is, uh, is the table still going to be there in the future? Well, right as of right now, you know, we're just going to operate online. Um, you know, obviously the season's over, so we have a nice long winter um, to kind of figure out what my game plan is for next year. Uh, as of right now, my plans are to not be up there uh, and open up. I have a regular day job now, and, and pulling double duty is just, just too much. You know, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm getting a little too old to be working 18-hour days. And I have two really cute young kids at home that I don't get to see during the summer. Uh, you know, they leave for camp in the morning. I start work, uh, leave, go straight up to the stadium. By the time I get home, it's 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, you have a 14-game homestand. That's two weeks where you don't see anybody that lives in your house. You know, uh, so, so those, those days are kind of getting a little, little much for me. Uh, but we'll run the, the website for a while. And, you know, I'm grateful that, you know, with social media and Twitter and Facebook, that my reach is good enough now where uh, I can run an online business and, and just kind of hang out with that. And whatever it brings in, it brings in. It's not, you know, for 15 years, the T-shirts on River Avenue was my sole source of income. You know, uh, every T-shirt counted. And now the pressure is off where I have a steady income. And unfortunately, I mean, I guess unfortunately for Yankee fans, it really doesn't mean as much to me anymore. You know, I put my time in and tried to take it places where I wanted it to go. And uh, it just comes time where you got to stop living in a dream and start living in reality. And the reality is the business isn't what it used to be. You know, when the stadium was at the old place, uh, the foot traffic on River Avenue was probably four times what it is now. Uh, you know, so we're competing with, with, with less traffic. And not for nothing, everybody and their brother is, is a vendor up there. <laughs> so I have so much competition. Um, you know, I, I can barely stand out even being well-known. I mean, at this point now, now that we're, we're winding down, 
there are literally card tables set up on every corner with some some sort of respect knockoff <laughs> shirt. You know, there are like five million different respect shirts now for sale on River Avenue. And as a tiny, you know, tiny small business who's trying to create original apparel, standing out in that market is harder and harder. You know, it's like I said, you get the dwindling traffic and the increased competition. It's just really not what it used to be. And, and that's it's just time to move on. Well, I always wondered, you know, I wonder about the people who actually work at the stadium and when the Yankees don't make the playoffs, you know, they don't get those extra shifts, those extra games for the home games. And for you, you know, they don't make the playoffs now back-to-back years. And, you know, that must cost you in some way because those are, you know, sellout games that, that you could have been expecting in October. And obviously, uh, you know, people are more willing to, to go out, get merchandise, get apparel. So, it, uh, you know, not only as a fan but as a vendor up there, it must be an extra little dagger when, the, you know, you have a season well, like this. Of course, that of course. And, that, and that's something that I came to realize three years ago. Uh, uh, we, we had uh, a year where out of 81 home games, 27 of them were affected by rain uh, in some sort of capacity, whether it would be a rain out or delay or just rain during the day. And for a guy who operates outside with no roof, that kills your business. Yeah. You know? And that's really what made me focus on uh, you know, moving on or, or looking to move on because I can't live with, hey, what if the Yankees lose tonight and everybody's pissed off and people steam out and they don't want to buy shirts, yeah. you know, or what if it rains and, you know, it kills the crowd or better yet, you know, you, we, for years, all of the vendors, not just myself, all of the vendors were living off the, the Yankee Sox rivalry. It, once the Red Sox started winning, uh, that rivalry and the heat kind of dissipated. And then you, you go into years like this year where Boston sucks. There's nothing going on. There's no heat at all, you know. Uh, you know, so as so as a vendor, you know, those days used to be days you counted on. You're like, oh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Red Sox, we're gonna kill it this weekend. And now you're like Saturday, like where the hell are all these people? You know, like literally, where have you? I, I I posted a photo that that Labor Day week, right after Labor Day week, the third, fourth, and fifth of September. Uh, I posted a photo right after roll call. My entire row is empty. And I was like, oh, Yankees, Sox in September. Things certainly have changed from, you know, the past where you wouldn't be able to even get in my row four or five <laughs> years ago, you so, know? So you think you did better business when before they before they won a World Series, before it became, uh, you know, both teams had a chance of winning? Yeah, and I think uh, the, the majority of the rivalry was that we had the upper hand. Uh, it always helps when you win. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially when you make things that that make fun of the team that loses. Uh, so that that certainly helped, you know, business for me. Um, and then back then, you know, as it was, kind of cornering a market of more of the quote unquote hardcore or uh, you know a little rougher of the apparel, um, not your average just Boston stuff. <laughs> kind of taking a little bit a little bit past there. Um, but you know that that was a niche I kind of carved out. And it really worked out for me, and it really worked well, and that's been my best seller since 2006. Is that sure? <laughs> well, uh, well, now that Bald Vinny and the House of Tees is taking it online, uh, what happens to Bald Vinny, the person I know? You know, like you say, roll call uh, was a, is a tradition, and will continue on even if you know you're not there every day. But is uh, you not being there every day means you're there sometimes or never, or only on uh, like you mentioned? Well, me when I, guess, I guess day. that's. I guess that's the million-dollar question. You know, um, I am Bald Vinny just as much as I'm Vinny Milano, and, you know, what I do is uh, just as much a part of me as the business that I run. Um, for me, uh, I keep saying to myself, or I'll tell anybody who asks me that I'm going to take some time off in the next game and I'll be back with Bernie Williams Day. Um, whenever they decide to honor Bernie, 
to be when I come back, and I'd like to sit in the upper deck. Um, <laughs> that's what that's what that's what I, I tell everybody. You ask my wife; she's like, "Yeah, right." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. April is a long time away, and you know, I think people get burnt out. You know, it's September. It's been a really long long summer. Uh, it's been rough in Yankee Land. Business hasn't been the best, so. Um, maybe I just need a vacation. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe April rolls around and <laughs> when you get to good moves, and I get real excited about this team again. And you know, we'll see what happens. If they, uh, you know, they get some a few free agents, and uh, you know, about March twentieth, you'll probably be counting down the day slow opening day. Yeah, like, like I said, it's in my blood. I'll, I'll be a Yankee fan until the day I die. You know, I'm not, not like some of these other uh, quote unquote famous New York sports fans who kind of <laughs> disavow their teams. You know. Uh, when things get tough, or uh, thankfully, I've never been put in a position where I get like a lot of hate from Yankee fans. The Yankee fans have always been pretty awesome, uh, which is thankfully makes my job a lot easier. Uh, I know some of the other guys that in in New York sports fandom uh, who kind of don't have it so easy, or kind of get a little bit of, of a hard time uh, from the fan base. So I'm thankful that that Yankee fans recognize, you know, that. I don't get support from the team, you know, coming out here doing it on my own. Uh, I think they, they get that, so it, that that's probably pretty cool. Well, unfortunately, without you there, uh, that's you know, you're you're probably the biggest. Uh, you're you're the face of the band the wave movement. So without you there, you know, the wave's going to be uh, gaining steam uh, pretty heavy. That that's really why I'm I'm leaving. Don't tell anybody, <laughs> but I can't stand the wave every night, and I'm running out of ways to tweet about how much I hate the wave. So I figure instead of being creative and thinking of stuff new, I'm just going to leave and I don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> well, I, I always felt like, you know, with the new stadium, you, you, like you said, you can't even say sucks. You can't, you can't do anything that remotely uh, is, you know, not politically correct, uh, no matter where you're sitting. But to me, anyone who, whatever goes through someone's head before they decide that they're going to try to get their entire section to start the wave uh, with 50,000 people, I feel like those people should be held just as accountable as anyone who runs on the field during the middle of the game. It, you know, it really, I, I, I get offended by it because I feel like it, it, if you're bored by what's going on on the field, then you should be in one of those restaurants or something <laughs> where you can't hear what's going on in the field, you know, because the wave always breaks out at the most inopportune time. You're like a tie ball game. You know, it's like 1-1. One, one. It's a pitcher's duel. Like, that's what you pay to see. Yeah. That's why you're there. You know what I mean? Like, I want to watch a board game because that means my guy's dealing. You know, like, there's a, there was one Sunday afternoon, like, Tanaka was dealing, like, mowing guys down. It's like one zip and the, the chance doing the wave. Like, this is the most entertaining game we've had all year. <laughs> and, like, if, if this is boring to you, then that's really why, you know, as a tourist, you probably should have seen, like, well, if you think about, like, Mamma Mia tickets or something. <laughs> All right, Vin. Well, you know, I appreciate you giving me the time to talk about, you know, not only the Jeter era ending, but the, the uh, bald, bald Vinny era ending or temporarily being put on hold. Uh, and, uh, you know, thanks again. And uh, and it's always good to talk to you. And thanks for coming on. And uh, once again, you can follow Vin at Bald Vinny on Twitter. Uh, check out baldvinny.com for all his apparel and the Bald Vinny House of Tees. Obviously in person out in front of uh, Billy Sports Bar and River Ave, uh, right under the subway tracks next to Yankee Stadium. Vin, thanks again. And uh, I'll be sure to stop by on Thursday to, to pick up some new hoodies as uh, the uh, the fall weather starts to pick up here. And uh, hopefully, like you said, Jeter gets sent out in a good note. And uh, hopefully that ninth inning serenade uh, is memorable like the Paul O'Neill one. 
Yeah, regardless of what happens tomorrow with rain or, or whatnot, I think it's going to be uh, one of those special Yankee moments. I'm going to be really happy to be in the house. And uh, if you're there tomorrow, if you happen to be listening tonight, you are there tomorrow, you have to buy me a drink because it's my 39th birthday. So we're going to be celebrating uh, as well as shedding some tears. So it's going to be a fun night out in Section 203. If you can join us out there, definitely do so. And, uh, yeah, check out all the stuff like that Neil mentioned, all those those great plugs that he worked in there. Uh, make sure you guys follow up on them. Check us out online, ballvinny.com, definitely. All right, man. Thanks again. Neil, thanks, Mike. You guys have me on, man. I appreciate it.